I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. Have a terrific show lined up for you today. Joining me in segments two and three of today's program is the head of global research at Elliott Wave International, Mr. Murray Gunn. I'll talk with Murray about his forecast for the worldwide economy, the stock and bond markets, and we'll talk a little bit of social mood with Murray as well. Elliott Wave has pioneered a science known as socionomics. I know you're going to find it to be fascinating. I'll chat with Murray about that as well. It is July, which means I have a July 2023 special report for you. It is titled Mid-Year Forecast from a Panel of Experts to get your copy of the report as well as some bonus information, including two of my best-selling books. One, Revenue Sourcing, the Retirement Planning Strategy for the Post-Pandemic Economy. And the other book, The Little Black Book on Social Security Maximization, will be sent to you along with a July 2023 special report All you need to do to get this box of information sent to you absolutely free and with no further obligation is visit the website requestyourreport.com. The website, again, requestyourreport.com. And when you visit the website, just let us know where to mail the information, and we will be very glad to do so. You know, in the book, Revenue Sourcing, and in the books that I have done prior to that, Uh, including new retirement rules, including finding financial freedom. Uh, I talk a bit about the fact that we are going to have to have a period of deflation because of debt levels that exist around the world. So, So just a little bit of history as it relates to this. Ever since 1913, when the Federal Reserve was founded, there have been a pattern of booms and busts. Now, it's really clear, uh, and the easiest way to see this is to go back and take a look at what stocks have done. You can look at the S&P indicator. It was the Standard & Poor 90 before it became the S&P 500. Just take a look at what stocks have done over this period of time, going back 110 years, and the boom and bust cycle has been very, very clear. Now, the Federal Reserve, for those of you that are not aware, is a private group of bankers. So back in 1913... Congress and President Wilson gave control of monetary policy to this private group of bankers. It didn't take too long, and we had the first boom cycle of the 1920s, followed by a big reset time frame, a big deflationary time frame in the 1930s, and that we call the Great Depression. So the, the, the history on this is after the Fed was founded in 1913, at the time, gold was being used as currency. There was a $20 gold piece that consisted of one ounce of gold. And if you went down to the general store or went to the grocery store and you bought $20 worth of stuff, you would throw an ounce of gold on the counter. Well, that whole system was modified just one year after the Federal Reserve was founded. In 1914, the Fed began to issue Federal Reserve notes. And these Federal Reserve notes were really claim checks to claim the real money, which was gold. If you go back and look at a Federal Reserve note from 1914, you would see it says, payable to the bearer on demand, $20. So the Federal Reserve note itself was not $20. You needed the gold piece to get $20, but... If you had the Federal Reserve note, you had a claim check that allowed you to get the real money. 
Now, the issuance of these notes allowed for the massive and rapid expansion of the money supply. The backing of the dollar by gold was reduced from the U.S. dollar actually being gold and therefore being backed 100% by gold in 1913 to quickly being backed by gold at a rate of 40%. That allowed the money supply, if you're a mathematician, you know that that allowed the money supply to expand by 250%. Now, the result of this money supply expansion, shall we call it the result of this inflation, since inflation is technically defined as an expansion of the money supply, the result of this was a period of time that seemed like prosperity was everywhere. The Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties was a period of a debt-fueled prosperity illusion, and I use those words intentionally. A debt-fueled prosperity illusion that ended with a real estate price crash and a stock market crash. The Great Depression arrived with a vengeance. After World War II, the Bretton Woods Agreement returned the United States to a quasi-gold standard. Now, a little bit of history here. In 1933, at about the time that then-President Franklin Roosevelt declared a bank holiday, which relieved bankers of any responsibility of paying back their depositors, he also bought back the gold of all American people. If you were an American citizen, having gold in your possession, you were ordered by an executive order to sell your gold back to the government. We then had nothing but paper currency from 1933 until the Bretton Woods Agreement, which was 1944. And in 1944, the U.S. went back to a quasi-gold standard. Now gold was actually priced at $35 an ounce, up from $20 an ounce in 1933. Now in 1971, this gold exchange privilege was revoked by President Richard Nixon, that made the dollar a fiat currency, which it has remained since 1971. So for the last 52 years, the dollar has been backed by nothing. And it's also allowed for unlimited amounts of currency creation. Now, a little bit more to this story. The U.S. really became the dominant or remained the dominant world currency because shortly after the U.S. dollar became a fiat currency, the United States executed an agreement with Saudi Arabia, and the Saudis, as part of that agreement, agreed to sell their oil only in U.S. dollars in exchange for military protection and other favors. Now, since 1971, this series of boom and bust cycles has become even more apparent. And after each bust, the response of the Federal Reserve has been extremely predictable. They simply create more currency to reflate the bubble. This currency creation simply adds to total debt levels, which makes the next bust more painful and makes it increasingly improbable, in my opinion, that it will be possible for the Fed to reflate the bubble. And that is where we now find ourselves. I found an article this past week that reported that worldwide debt is now about $305 trillion, that's more than triple the worldwide debt of 2008 at the time of the financial crisis. And we are seeing now signs that this bubble is in the relatively early stages of unwinding. Now, from December of 2021 to October of 2022, stocks fell about 
Since October of 2022, stocks have now retraced about three-quarters of that decline. Now, I believe that stocks remain in a technical downtrend. And I'll get Murray Gunn's take on that in the next couple segments. You'll want to stay tuned for that. But you're also seeing now real estate slow. Real estate inventories are increasing. The median home sales price is declining. There is a perfect storm brewing in commercial real estate. There are very high levels of commercial loans up for refinance in the next 18 months. And there are already almost a billion square feet of vacant office space in the United States. So these are signs that we're now seeing the beginning of the deflationary cycle. And of course, this is being catalyzed by the Federal Reserve's rate hikes that ostensibly are to get inflation under control. Now, we're also seeing economic data that is not favorable when it comes to the number of corporate bankruptcies, the number of office building owners that are defaulting upon their mortgages. I'll talk about that more in the last segment of today's program. But first, let me again remind you that if you've not yet received or not yet requested the July 2023 special report, you can do so by visiting the website requestyourreport.com. The website, again, is requestyourreport.com. And when you visit that website and let me know where to mail it, I'll send you the 2023 July special report titled Mid-Year Forecast from a Panel of Experts. I'll also send you a copy of the Revenue Sourcing Book and the Little Black Book on Social Security. That's all free. Just visit requestyourreport.com to get all that information. I'll be back after these words with my special guest, Mr. Murray Gunn. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me once again on today's program is the head of global research at Elliott Wave International, Mr. Murray Gunn. Uh, longtime listeners will recognize Murray as a returning guest. Uh, you can learn more about Elliott Wave International and uh, Murray's work at ElliottWave.com. And when you go to ElliottWave.com and check it out, and I would encourage you to do that, there is a resources tab. And under the resources tab, uh, there is the opportunity to get a free book about Elliott Wave. So I would encourage you to do that as well. Murray, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Dennis. Always a pleasure to have a chat with you. So, Murray, let's just start, uh, just just so uh, we know there's time to do this. When someone goes to ElliottWave.com and they click on the resources tab, and they request a free book, what can they expect to learn? Well, they'll be learning about uh, our, our model that we are uh, we analyze the markets from. Um, and it's all about the, the Elliott Wave principle. And that's a, a fractal, what we call a fractal-based model of the economy discovered by a man called Ralph Elliott in the 1930s. And he discovered that human herding behavior causes markets like the stock market, which is a leading indicator of the economy, to uh, exhibit certain identifiable and repeatable patterns. 
And um, the, the big discovery that he made really was that these patterns repeat at every time scale. And so it enables uh, cycles of herding behavior to be anticipated from the short term to the very long term. So, so that's why you know, we, we think that uh, the markets are driven by human beings, uh, and that's why we study human behavior. Well, certainly human behavior is predictable, so I'd encourage the listeners to go check out that free book at ElliottWave.com under the Resources tab. And, Murray, uh, just to kind of segue into the economy, uh, I just read a piece that worldwide debt now is $305 trillion, up from $100 trillion at the time of the financial crisis. And believe it or not, that's now about 15 years ago. Where does this ultimately lead, in your view, and uh, using the Elliott Wave model? Well, certainly, you put your finger right on the on the uh, button of what is going to be probably the, the biggest issue over the next uh, decade or so, uh, and that is debt. You know, taking a, a really sort of big picture view here, just to reiterate what um, I said the last time I was on your show, Dennis. Uh, you know, a few years ago, Elliott Wave International, we were telling our subscribers that uh, 2021 was setting up to be potentially a very significant turning point in history. And we were basing this on time cycle analysis going back to the 1932 stock market low. Uh, and there was a confluence of cycles all zoning in on, on 2021. So it's really absolutely fascinating that spanning that year, we've had a once in a century pandemic a still ongoing land war in Europe and one of the most dramatic bond bear markets in history. Uh, and that bond bear market is probably what is going to break, eventually break uh, this debt issue that we're talking about. And we certainly think this is just the start of a new, um, very volatile era. So to what extent, uh Murray, do, do you see uh, bonds declining? I, I mean, you, you just used the words uh, in historic bond, uh, a bear market in bonds. Uh, is this going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before? Well, it's, it, it already has been, uh, really, the, the rise in yields. Uh, so when, when bond yields rise, the, the bond prices uh, fall. So the rise in yields that we've seen over the last few years, uh, the speed of that has been uh, the fastest in history. And so it really is, um, we think, just the start of uh, uh, another uh, move higher uh, in, in yields over the next uh, couple of years. Um, you know, w when we last spoke in, in March, uh, Dennis, I think I mentioned that we expected the, the global economy to continue to uh, slow down and enter a recession. Well, uh, the Eurozone and, and Germany are now officially in recession. Uh, the UK is, is close to one. And there are so many indicators in the US pointing to a recession uh, coming there. Um, you know, we've had manufacturing and industrial production are, are contracting. The housing market has cooled. Uh, a lot, uh, and of course, uh, the bond yield curve uh, remains very uh, inverted. So that means that, that long-term, uh, long-dated long yields are, are lower than, than short-dated uh, yields. 
And when that's happened in history, that, that that's always pretty much signaled uh, a recession. But it, it was, it's, it's funny, it's, it's a bit like waste, it's just like the, the Godot recession, uh, like like the famous play, uh, you know, waiting for Godot, uh, and, he, and he never arrives. Um, but, um, you know, certainly we think that it will, based on the ultimate leading indicator of the economy, which is the, the stock market, uh, which we think is close to ending its its bear market rally that it's been in since last uh, October. Well, Murray, what's your take on uh, how deep this recession will be? Uh, I, I saw a statistic uh, that, I, that that uh, I'd like your comment on along with the answer to that question, and that is that uh, when you look at M2 money supply, um, here in the United States anyway, it's contracted year over year at a rate not seen since 1929, and we all know the depth of what followed then. Uh, are we in for something similar in your view? Well, we certainly could be, and it's, um, it, it might not be as dramatic as the uh, 1930s, uh, but what we're probably in for in this new volatile era is, is a, a series of, of rolling uh, recessions, uh, just a general malaise uh, in, in the economy. Um, so yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, this is the one thing that's uh, a big, big change. You know, people look at what's happened in consumer prices uh, over the last uh, couple of years and say, oh, uh, the, the, the inflation is really bad. And we've, we've all been sucked into this thing uh, of, of calling consumer prices and the rise of consumer prices as inflation. But actually, real inflation is is a monetary phenomenon. Uh, and monetary and, and credit. And of course, you mentioned at the start there about debt, and, and debt has been inflating uh, out of control for the last few decades. And um, since the great financial crisis in uh, 2008, 2009, uh, the, the money supply has been accelerating as well. And it, it's, uh, when the pandemic hit, the uh, rise in the, the money supply uh, certainly in the U.S. Was, was completely, literally off the charts. And so, you know, the question we ask is, what did they think was going to happen uh, about inflation, uh, consumer price inflation? And so, yeah, they're obviously scrambling now to try and reverse that, and that involves monetary deflation. So what we've got now is monetary deflation, and we think that's going to feed through into uh, credit and debt deflation. So just for those listeners who may be joining us, I'm chatting today with Mr. Murray Gunn. He is the head of global research at Elliott Wave International. You can learn more at ElliottWave.com. Under the Resources tab at ElliottWave.com, you can also request a free book. So, Murray, at, at a certain point, uh, do you believe that central banks around the world will try to reflate the bubble again by resorting to more easy money policies and quantitative easing? And if so, do you think they'll be successful? Well, I, I think there's there's certainly um, no doubt about it that if uh, the stock markets collapse quickly, um, and that's open for debate, uh, but if they, if they collapse quickly, then undoubtedly central banks will panic uh, and, and probably look to ease monetary policy uh, again. 
Um, but their hands are tied. Obviously, they've 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 they've, they've tied this 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 hand this rope around their hands to say that they want to try and con- control consumer price inflation, which ultimately we think is, is futile because central banks really can't control uh, anything. It's everything's driven by uh, human herring behaviour. Um, and actually, the central banks follow what the markets are doing, as we've shown our subscribers over the decades. Um, but yes, we think that uh, the central banks will, will probably continue to um, keep monetary policy uh, relatively tight unless something dramatic happens in, in the stock markets. So let's talk a little bit about stocks and the time we have left uh, in this segment, then we'll we'll pick it up in the next segment. Um you know, in, in, in past interviews, you have uh, offered quite a bearish forecast worldwide when it comes to, to, to stocks. Um, have you changed that view at all? No, uh, not at all. In fact, it's playing out uh, pretty much as uh, the Elliott Wave principle would suggest uh, it does. I mean, stocks topped out. Uh, a lot of stock markets topped out in, uh, in 2021. And um, so the rally that we've seen in many stock markets uh, since last October is what we call a corrective rally. So the initial the initial decline uh, was the start of a, a bigger bear market. And what we've seen since last October is a corrective rally. And we can tell that by looking at the sort of technical analysis of the markets. It's not been confirmed by increasing volume. Uh, and you, you, if it's a healthy uh, advancing bull market, you want volume to be going up as well. That's not been happening. Um, there's been, as been well documented, there's been very narrow breadth in the market, and that that means that the rally has been been concentrated only in just a few stocks, and certainly in the case of the U.S. market, and um, that is very consistent with uh, corrective waves under the Elliott wave uh, principle. And we've got, uh, you know, bullish sentiment at the moment is is very uh, uh, elevated. Uh, the statistics have just come out for the Association of Individual Investors, showing that uh, bullish sentiment there is is the the highest it's been since the top, uh, I think, 27 months ago. And so people think that the bull market is is back, and, and that's another aspect of corrective waves in, in the in the first part of an ongoing bear market, people think uh, that the, the bull market is back because they don't want to think about a bear market. And the point of realization comes in the third wave down. And so once this corrective wave is over and the third wave down starts, um, that's when we can see quite a dramatic uh, turn down uh, in the stock markets. Well, my guest today is Mr. Murray Gunn. He is the head of global research at Elliott Wave International. The website is ElliottWave.com. On the resources tab there, you can get a free book that uh, Murray's offering to the listeners today. Again, the website is ElliottWave.com. I'll continue my conversation with Murray Gunn when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us.
I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to RLA Radio. My guest on today's program is the head of global research at Elliott Wave International, Mr. Murray Gunn. Uh, you can learn more about Elliott Wave's work at ElliottWave.com. There is a resources tab at ElliottWave.com. If you click on the resources tab, you'll see there's an opportunity to get a free book explaining the Elliott Wave principles. So I'd encourage you to check that out. Uh, and Murray, uh, let's just jump in uh, where we left off in, in the last segment. Um, you had mentioned that uh, it's your view that the current rally we have seen in stocks since October of 2022 is a bear market rally or a counter trend rally. And, and you cited the fact that, um, we, that there has not been um, a lot of volume supporting this rise in prices. Uh, you, you mentioned that there hasn't been wide uh, market participation from a lot of stocks. And you mentioned the sentiment is now extremely bullish. And then, and then you explained that, you know, we're, we're ready really for a third wave down. And I think there may be some listeners that aren't familiar with, uh, you know, the wave principle that is uh, really instrumental in interpreting market behavior under the Elliott Wave principle. Could, could you maybe explain a little bit in a little bit more detail what you mean? Well, sure. I mean, what what Ralph uh, Elliott discovered back in the 1930s was that the basic pattern of growth in the world, in the universe, in the stock market um, occurs uh, in a series of waves. And um, these waves occur, if we're thinking about the stock market in particular, in a, a five-wave-up, three-wave-down pattern. Um, Within those waves, we have smaller waves which have the same sort of patterns in, in them. So when, uh, as we think now, we've had, uh, if we look back spanning centuries, we've had uh, essentially, we're at the top of a, of a, of a, a five-wave uh, movement. So what we're looking at now is, a, is, a, uh, is quite a large uh, bear market uh, occurring. Now, uh, that will probably occur in... Um, what we call uh, an ABC correction, that's a three-wave movement. But within those uh, waves, there will be a whole series of five and three patterns. And so within this, just this first movement down that we're seeing now, uh, since the top in, in uh, 2021 for a lot of, a lot of indices, that, that occurred down in October uh, last year, and we think that is just wave one of a five-wave movement down, which will eventually make up this, this um, much larger wave A movement. So what we've seen since October is what we're, what we're calling a wave two movement. And um, when that is complete, the third wave down uh, will occur. Uh, and third waves are generally the, the most powerful wave in the pattern um, and like I alluded to earlier on that's because certainly within, in terms of corrective waves in, in, in bear markets as we've seen now which we're coming to the end of people think the bull market is back they will be disappointed when it's, when it's not and markets start to turn down and at some point uh, that's when what we call the point of recognition occurs and that's generally in the kind of middle of, the third, of a third wave down um, and, and that's when you get tend to get very powerful moves. So, Murray, a, a couple of questions uh, regarding what you just said. First of all, that this this wave two corrective wave, 
you can correct me if I'm wrong, but by my by my calculations, looking at the major U.S. stock market indices anyway, we've retraced maybe around 75% or so of the the downtrend from uh, December of 2021 to October of 2022. Uh, when you look at some of the technical indicators, like you know the Fibonacci retracement levels, uh, don't we have to be close to this this wave two counter trend rally up ending? Uh, yes, absolutely, we, we we are. You're absolutely right there, Dennis. Um, the thing about second waves um, that they, they 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 can be very uh, deep retracements, and that's again what I was alluding to just there was uh, they tend to be deep because people. Um, the first wave down comes as a shock to people, um, because at the top of at the top of a bull market, everything's everything is rosy, everything's fine, uh, all the news is good, and the first wave down comes as a bit of a shock. Um, and so the second wave, corrective wave in this bear market that we're looking at now, um, tend they tend to be quite deep corrective waves because people think that nothing's changed, and people think that this is the bull market still back on. Um, and so that's the reason why uh, second waves in particular can be quite deep. So, yeah, the 75%, uh, you know, 77 to 78%-ish, you know, that, that's kind of a nice uh, turning point in terms of, you know, what you were talking about, Fibonacci uh, levels. Um, but, yeah, we, we think it's, it's the turning point is, 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 is quite soon. Um, and one of, one of the clues for that, uh, just looking, what we were looking at today was looking at the um, the what we call the junk bond uh, yield spread. Without wanting to get too technical uh, for your for your listeners, but there's a big uh, relationship between the performance of corporate bonds and uh, the stock market uh, for obvious reasons. You know, if, if the stock market's going up, then earnings are, are good and debt can be serviced, etc. But it does look from the uh, the what particularly the junk bond yield spread, that that's, that's reaching a point now where it's going to turn um, probably over the next couple of months. Uh, so we think that, that yeah, into the end of this year, we'll start to see some deterioration uh, in the stock market. So, Murray, given that wave one down was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going from memory here, so correct me if I'm wrong, approximately a 25% decline, and we've seen a, a retracement at this point of about three-quarters of that, uh, how low do you think stocks could go uh, at the bottom of wave three? Well, certainly we would be looking at um, possibly a 50% decline uh, from, from where we are uh, right now. Um, it, it really uh, it, it varies, and we have to see uh, how the, the, the waves develop. Uh, it could be quick, it could be slow. Uh, generally, it's probably going to be uh, relatively quick, given that it's, it's probably going to be a third wave. Um, so yeah, 50% down is, is not a um, it's not an unviable um, kind of target to have. Maria, at the outset of the first segment today, you talked about the fact that uh, the Elliott wave principle is really rooted in the fact that uh, human behavior tends to be predictable. And Elliott Wave also has pioneered a study uh, that I believe you've dubbed Socionomics. Could you talk a little bit about what Socionomics is, and then we'll get into maybe what it's telling you about what might lie ahead? Yep. Well, Robert Prechter's uh, Socionomic Theory 
stems from uh, evidence that it's the, the trend in social mood that determines social actions, uh, not the other way around, as most people tend to think. We're conditioned to think that way. Most people think that it's if something negative happens, then uh, the mood of society then turns negative. But what Robert Prefter's proven uh, and others have proven over the decades is that socioeconomic studies suggest that the, the negative mood trend comes first before uh, the negative action um, and of course vice versa for uh, positive actions. So for example, conventional thought would be that recessions cause business people to be cautious and the socioeconomic uh, theory just turns out on its head and says that it's uh, actually cautious business people who cause uh, recessions. Um, so, you know, because social media is the driver of everything, it tends to show up first in the stock market. And so the trends in the stock markets can anticipate social actions. Um, and also social actions can help us anticipate where we are in, in the stock market cycle uh, in, in that way. So, Murray, when, when you look at uh, the science of socioeconomics and you apply it to where we are right now at this point in time, in, in July of 2023, uh, what are some of the more significant trends that you're observing? Well, if, we, if we're right and um, there is a, a, a huge super cycle turn uh, happening, um, which has been happening over the last few decades, to be fair. I mean, given the fact that, uh, you know, Japan topped out in the, in the 1980s, um, Europe topped out 20 odd years ago, China topped out in 2007. And so it's really just America that's been sort of the last uh, man standing, if you like. Um, if we are right, and, and so generally, you know, mood is turning into this negative mood trend era, uh, then some of the things we're we're, we're seeing right now um, are uh, you know uh, reminiscent of that. Uh, globalization is is in uh, retreat uh, for sure. I mean, if you look at the Inflation Reduction Act in the U.S., it's uh, it's protectionist, and I think that's that is uh, you know um, annoying uh, and concerning a lot of countries. Uh, so the EU is starting to to do the same. Uh, and just this week, we saw the UK uh, doing the same with attracting manufacturing by the use of uh, subsidies. So um, globalization is is dying off, and that is part of the negative mood uh, trend. Um, we've also got, uh, in terms of politics, we've got, uh, if you look at Europe, for instance, it's certainly shifting more to the right. And what happens in, in negative mood trends is that you, the politics goes to the, uh, the, the the pole, if you like, goes to the, the opposites, the extremes, and so there's more support for Europe uh, from Europe for the war in Ukraine. Uh, Europe's turning more anti-immigration, uh, and we've got the Spanish elections uh, this weekend, which will uh, likely show uh, another um, shift to the right. Uh, we've also got labour market strikes uh, going on. Uh, all over the developed world uh, at the moment, despite the uh, the labour market actually being quite strong, which is quite an interesting uh, juxtaposition uh, there. But um, perhaps the most worrying thing from a sort of geopolitical point of view is is a pattern, uh, I think we mentioned this the last time, we see in, in the China uh, stock market, as I said, China stock topped out in, in 2007, 
in its stock market, and it's it's been in a bear market since then. And um, specifically, what we call is, is a is, is a triangle pattern, a kind of sideways movement in in the stock market. And um, what usually happens at the end of these bear markets, um, which is driven by a negative social media, you get a, you know a negative social action. So um, it's not surprising, therefore, that you know, Taiwan is becoming much more uh, uh, talked about within geo- geopolitics. So it wouldn't surprise us in the least if something happened with China and Taiwan over the next few years, uh, based on based on socioeconomics and based on the uh, Elliott Wave principle. But on a more on a lighter note, if, you, if, if, if there can be a lighter note for this, uh, you know, developing negative uh, social mood. Uh, one of the things that's been interesting to us is this idea of uh, this summer, uh, in the Northern Hemisphere at least, um, is we look at pop culture and popular culture because it, it can be a, a, a big indicator of what's happening in um, in socioeconomics. So you've got, in the movies at the moment, you've got this uh, phenomenon that's happened called Barbenheimer. Um, so where the Barbie movies come out, uh, which is obviously, you know, Barbie, light and fluffy, uh, and Oppenheimer, which is which is uh, completely the opposite, obviously uh, about the uh, about the atomic bomb. So um, you've got this kind of uh, chase going on between the two, and that's uh, kind of very reminiscent of what of what's happening from a socioeconomic point of view in terms of the changing mood that's going on because you've got these two competing elements, but actually. Uh, if you sort of dig a little bit deeper into it, you, you, it is interesting that, that Barbie, the Barbie movie itself, is actually kind of anti-Barbie. So it's a little bit negative in that regard as well. So all of these things point to uh, a developing uh, negative mood trend, uh, which is which is consistent with the fact that the stock market topped out uh, two years ago. Well, my guest today has been Mr. Murray Gunn. He is the head of global research at Elliott Wave International. I'd urge you to visit Elliott Wave International's website at elliottwave.com. And if you visit the website and click on the Resources tab, there is a free book offer uh, for the listeners. So, Murray, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Love to have you back down the road and uh, get an update from you. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Dennis. It's, It's been a pleasure. We will return after these words. This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you're listening in today. Thanks again to Mr. Murray Gunn of Elliott Wave International for joining me on today's program as well. Quick reminder, I do have available for you the July 2023 special report titled Mid-Year Forecast from a Panel of Experts. Go to requestyourreport.com. Let me know where to mail the report, and I'll be very glad to get it out to you along with the revenue sourcing book that contains a retirement planning strategy for the post-pandemic economy. I'll also send you a copy of the little black book on social security maximization. In the first segment of today's program, I talked about the fact that 
Ever since the dollar has been a fiat currency, really ever since the Fed was founded in 1913, it's really easy to see that there's been this series of boom and bust cycles. And after each bust, which typically adversely affects stocks and real estate, you see the Fed now creating more currency to reflate the bubble. Now, it remains to be seen if they will do that as this bubble unwinds, and I believe that we are now in a bubble. As I mentioned, worldwide debt now stands at $305 trillion. That's more than triple the worldwide debt that existed in 2008 at the time of the great financial crisis. And as I talked about with Murray Gunn in the last two segments, stocks have retraced about 75% of their decline that began in December of 2021. And I agree with Murray. I think that this is a wave two counter trend rally. I believe that uh, sentiment levels are quite high, and I believe there is more downside ahead. So that, that is my opinion, and I believe there is a lot of fundamental and technical data to back that up. Now, that suggests that if you are continuing to plan for retirement using traditional strategies, traditional investment strategies are likely going to let people down in the near future, in my view. Stocks remain in a technical downtrend. Real estate inventories are increasing. And the Epic Times reported that corporate bankruptcies have now reached their highest level since 2010. I'll give you just a bit from an article that was recently published there. Quote, new data show that a growing number of U.S. firms are collapsing under the weight of higher interest rates as corporate bankruptcies reach their highest first half level since 2010. In the first six months of 2023, there were 340 corporate bankruptcies. In the first six months of 2023, there were 340 corporate bankruptcies that tops every comparable span in the last 13 years. That is up 93% from the same period a year ago and even higher than in 2020 when there was a big spike because of the economic shutdowns related to the coronavirus pandemic. Now, on top of this, Dorothy Newfield recently wrote a piece for Visual Capitalist that talks about the fact that there is a lot of office space available in the United States. This is bad news for commercial real estate owners when the commercial real estate houses office space. I'll give you a bit from Dorothy's article here. Quote, in April, one of America's largest office owners, Brookfield, defaulted on a $161 million loan. The loan covered 12 office buildings. These office buildings were mainly concentrated in the Washington, D.C. market. The company Brookfield defaulted because of low occupancy rates and the fact that interest rates are also rising. Dorothy put a graphic together that showed nearly 1 billion square feet of empty office space in the United States. The number is actually 963 million square feet of office space that is now vacant. And if each of those floors was 20,000 square feet with 11,000-foot 11, ceilings, rather, there would be 48,000 vacant floors of office space. That would reach into the thermosphere where the International Space Station orbits the Earth. Wolf Richter reports that the commercial mortgage-backed securities delinquency rate, 
tripled in the last six months. The delinquency rate went from 1.6% to 4.5%. That's according to TREP, which tracks and analyzes commercial mortgage-backed securities. So we have what I believe is a deflationary storm brewing, and I believe that you'll want to equip yourself with some good information. That's why I'm offering the July 2023 special report titled Mid-Year Forecast from a Panel of Experts. When you go to requestyourreport.com and request the report, just letting me know where to mail it, you'll get the report as well as the revenue sourcing book as well as the little black book on social security maximization. So again, the website, requestyourreport.com to get all that information, requestyourreport.com. That's all the time I have for this week, but I'll be back again next week with a brand new program. Have a good week.